Well, good morning, NCC. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. It's good to see you here. I'm glad you did not let the sleet um, keep you at home. And if you're our guest, if this is your first time here at NCC or if you're watching online for the first time, we want to welcome you. My name is Aaron, and I am the lead pastor here at New Community Church, and we're glad that you're joining us. We're a church that's passionate about making people and places new, and our prayer is that you would see that a little bit as you are here with us this morning. And we're in our second week of this series called True Love in Bloom, and we're taking the next few weeks, and we're having these conversations about how do we allow love to grow in our life? Like, what should that look like? Um, what does God's word say about that? Because so many times we're constantly bombarded with other ideas about love. All of them aren't true. And so we want to go back to God's word and we want to really look at how did, he, um, how did he picture love and what should that look like inside of our lives and what can we learn from the scriptures and from God's word. And just as I mentioned last week, I'm going to try my best that as we're in this series, no matter what season of life you're in, So whether you're looking for love, whether you found love, whether you've lost love, that you'll be able to take something from this message and apply it to your life and continue to grow and allow love to continue to bloom in your life. And we're doing this series because we want to invest in relationships. That's our heart, is we want um, people to, to find love here at NCC, to grow in that, and to understand God's word. And so one of the things that I want to encourage you, and I'm going to talk about this later, is that if you're in love, you should date the person that you're in love with, okay? Even if you've been married. So you've been married for a while. We want you to invest in that relationship. And so I want to recommend a resource. It's these two kind of workbooks here. So I bet you didn't think you'd have homework after school, but you do. And it goes with marriage and so, um, or being in love. And so this website right here, fivedates.co, and there's actually these two workbooks. It's for a guy and um, for a girl. You do them ahead of time. And then as you go out on that date, you actually have something to talk about. And it's an investment of how you can continue to grow. Um, and the goal is that you continue to want to be together, okay? So they talk about that, working on your togetherness. And so I want to encourage you, if you're looking for ways to invest in your relationship, to go to this website, pick up these. I have these available this morning. So who wants these? Okay, Jeremiah, I saw your hand up. So I'll go right here. There you guys go. You and Ashley, let's give them a hand. So... <laughs> I want to encourage you to do that, to invest in your relationship. So this morning, we're going to look at this idea. How do we allow true love to be in bloom in our life? How do we allow it to grow? And as I was praying about this and thinking about this idea of love, and just as we talked about last week, how we many times struggle and we have all of these different ideas about love, I felt challenged by God as we look at God's word, what that needs to be like inside of our life. And I thought about this, you know what? You can, just living in the world, you get all of these images of love, don't we? Like you turn on the radio and love is reduced down to this idea of just a sexual act, right? So you're getting these ideas that are coming into your mind that this is what love is. It's whoever you're jumping into bed with this week, right? Or or it doesn't show any signs of commitment or faithfulness. It's just whoever is kind of present there and you want to be with. These are all the ideas and the images that TV shows and movies give us about love. And as I started to think about that and I was just praying, I felt like God was challenging me that I wanted to share with you guys as we jump into this is we need to be people who understand God's word and his picture of love. And as you walked in this morning, there were these kind of posters hanging on the wall. And the first one said this, scripture shapes our life. And if there has ever been a time where we need to be people that are in God's word, it's now we need our minds renewed. 
And that's what God's word does. It literally renews our mind. It reshapes our mind to how God wants us to think, to God's design for our life. And everything around us is trying to pull and distract us in all of these different ways. And we can't just isolate ourselves from the world, right? We can't just shut ourselves off in some kind of cave or desert. We live in this world. And so we need a way for God to continue to pull us back. And so it's not enough for you to just come in here on a Sunday morning and hear a message. You need to open up God's word for yourself. You need to be in the word of God. You need to allow his word to renew and to reshape your mind. And so I wanted to challenge you guys with that this morning. That's not even a part of my message. That's just a freebie. But we're going to jump into God's word, Proverbs 5.18. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. It's on page 306 of the Bible there in front of you. And so right in the seat in front of you, you can reach down, grab one of those, turn to 306. I want to encourage you to take notes because we're going to be in a number of different passages, different books of the Bible. And so you can write these down and once again, go back and reflect on them um, later this week. Proverbs 5.18 says this, let your fountains be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Let your fountains be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Now, a lot of people think that idea of what was he saying? Fountains was part of the marriage relationship. It was part of um, that sexual intimacy that happens um, in that relationship when two people are in love and they're married together. And he's praying that it would be blessed. He's declaring that. And then he says, rejoice in the wife of your youth, the person that you've married. And so even after five years, even after 10 years, 20 years, you should still be happy in that marriage, right? You should still rejoice in that relationship that you have in the person that God has given you to love. That's what God's word is challenging us with. And so I was thinking about this idea of, of keeping love alive. And this is what I thought of. I thought of December, um, December 1997. Now, I realize in this room, some of you may have not been born yet, okay? Some of you were probably just really young at that point. Some of you guys were already older. But I was, um, I, w I think I was a sophomore in college around that time. I just started my sophomore year. And Sarah and I, we hadn't been married yet. We were dating at that point. And we went up to Illinois, Geneseo, Illinois, is where her family lived. And so I was going to spend Christmas with her family. And Sarah didn't know it, but I had our engagement ring. Like I had an engagement ring for her. And my plan was to ask her to marry me. And so I remember this night very vividly. We were hanging out with her family, kind of hanging out and talking. And um, about halfway through the night, I went upstairs and I went to my room and picked up the phone and I called my dad. My dad and I are very close. And so I was just telling him once again, like, hey, dad, I feel like I'm supposed to marry Sarah. I feel like this is the person God has for me. And my dad, as just a voice of wisdom, as he always did, he challenged me with some things and just encouraged me and prayed with me. And I walked back downstairs and Sarah's family had already gone to bed. It was a little bit later. And Sarah and I just sat down at the kitchen table and we began to talk, talk about God's plan for our life, talk about the call that we felt like we had for ministry, how we wanted to serve other people and help other people, our dreams for the future, all of these things. And I just felt in that moment, God, this is the person that I wanted to spend my life with. And so I got down on my knees. And Sarah told me later, she thought I was just praying because I did this a lot. And so she's like, I thought you were just going to pray for us. But I pulled out from my pocket, I pulled out this engagement ring, this diamond ring that I had bought her and I put it on her finger and I asked her to marry me. 
Now, let me just say this. I realize this is not romantic, you guys, right? This is one of the worst things you could do. Like it's supposed to be some fancy restaurant or a lot of people or, right, you fly to some other city. But I knew I couldn't think of any more perfect moment than when Sarah and I were talking about our future and what God wanted. And as we were sharing our dreams and our hopes to ask her to marry me. And you guys, the amazing thing is she said yes right there on the kitchen floor. She said, yes, I'll marry you. And and six months later, we were married. And can can I tell you, I think we have a picture. Did we already put that up? This is us at that age. So if you guys need a visual image of what we looked like, this is young Aaron and Sarah. And this Aaron right here, he thought, man, that the hard part is over, you guys, right? I hid my craziness long enough. I fooled her. She said that she would marry me, right? And I thought, this was the easy part, getting engaged, getting married. Like, like that's the difficult thing. And, and then it's just kind of easy sailing from there. A lot of us think that, right? That the hard part is getting over our nerves and asking um, that guy out, asking that girl out on the first date. Sometimes we think that's the hard part. But can I tell you, that's the easy stuff. Really, it's not difficult to fall in love What's hard is keeping love alive. The hard thing in our life is not maybe standing in an altar, committing our lives forever to someone. The hard part is fulfilling that and being happy in that. What Proverbs says, rejoicing in the wife of our youth, rejoicing with the person that you're in love with and staying happy and in love together. That is the difficult thing. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. How do we keep love alive? How do we keep that alive in our life? When we fall in in love, how do we um, allow love to continue to bloom and not allow it to die? And so I'm going to give you some very practical things, um, just a few of them here this morning, some practical steps of how you could do that. I realize this is not a comprehensive list, so it's not everything that you can do, but I promise you, I feel like this is what God wanted me to challenge you with. And if you do some of these things, They're going to help you, okay? They're going to help love to stay alive inside of your life if you'll just follow some of these. Now, if you've been at NCC for a little bit, you may hear some of these and think, wow, Aaron, these sound really familiar. And they will because we just talked about them, okay? Just right before we got into the Christmas season, we talked about some of these things. But can I tell you, here's what's happened since then. We've been through the holiday season, right? Thanksgiving, Christmas, all of that. New Year's has come and gone. Some of us have made New Year's resolutions. Some of us have already left those New Year's resolutions, right? We've forgotten what we said we wanted to do, and we're just kind of living life. Your your kids have school projects. You've been at sports activities. You've been working 40 plus hours a week, and life just happens, doesn't it? And sometimes we need to be reminded over and over again, what are the things that are vital and important in our life? And so my prayer is not just that you hear these and you think, wow, that's revolutionary. I've never heard that before. My prayer is that you would think, yeah, I need to do that. And you would find a way to apply that to your life. You would take these things and you would find a way this week over the next few weeks and months to apply these to your life. So how do we keep love alive? What's one of the first things that we can do? I think when we fall in love, what we need to do to keep that love alive is when we're in love, we affirm the beauty and worth we see in the other person. You affirm their beauty and their worth, what it is that you see in that individual. You speak that out and you verbalize that, right? Because your words have power. You may have not realized that, but the things that you say are actually very powerful. And so if you want love to be alive in your life, if you want to keep that alive, you have to affirm their beauty and their worth. Now, I hear this so many times, mostly from guys, but I hear, she knows that I love her, right? Like, I, I haven't left her. 
right? I'm still here. So of course I love her. Like I'm still with her. Why should I have to say something, right? Why, why should I have to do something more in order to do that? They should figure it out, right? Like I provide food for them. I help with the groceries. I help with the kids. All of these things as men and women, we just assume the person, we haven't gone out and cheated on them. So of course they know that we love them. We're still here, but that's not the way it works. See, if you want to keep love alive, your words have power. You need to affirm the beauty and the worth that you see in another individual. God's word talks about this in Song of Solomon chapter four, verse seven. This is what he says. He's writing this poem and he speaks this out to the person that he's in love. And he says, you are altogether beautiful, my love, and there is no flaw in you. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is like in a movie, right? Like this is some poetic book. This is some story. And it is, but they're just recording the conversation that they're having. This is an actual conversation. And so Solomon, as the king, he's looking at this young maiden. He's looking at this beautiful woman that he loves, and he's telling her what it is that he thinks about her. You are altogether beautiful. There is no flaw in you. He starts to affirm what it is that he sees inside of her. He's not going to leave it up to a guessing game. He's not saying, hey, I hope she figures it out, like that I'm here and that I'm going to marry her, and that'll be her sign that I love her. No, he's going to tell her. And so he uses his words to speak those things out. You and I, we have to do that same thing. If we want love to be alive, we've got to tell the person that we love what we actually think about them. We have to speak out those words that affirm that. And this is just one verse. If you read through this love book right here, Song of Solomon, that's full of this poetic love imagery, you'll see this over and over again. He's affirming that. We've talked about this before. The imagery that they use um, seems kind of crazy to us. Like he looks at her and he says, your neck is like a gazelle and your legs are like the cedar of Lebanon. Do not say that to your spouse. They'll probably slap you, okay? don't know if that's a compliment or a complaint, but that's what he uses, right? It must have been the beauty that he saw around him, and he's using those things to affirm what it is that he sees in the person that he loves, what it is that he sees in them. And so you and I, if we're in love, we have to do that exact same thing. We have to take the things that we value, the things that are worth something to us, and we need to tell that individual how much we love them and what we see. Guys, let me help you out so when you come home, you tell her that you're more excited to see her than for the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl, okay? That's what you do. You affirm those things, right? You tell her those. You tell her she's more beautiful than the curves on a brand new 2018 Chevy Corvette, okay? When you kiss her, you tell her that she tastes better than the best Texas barbecue, right? I don't know what that is, but you just, you start to affirm that, right? You take things that you value in your life, things that are worth, things that she knows you think are special, and you let her know that she's worth more than that. You, you ascribe those things to her. You affirm the beauty and the worth that she has. Ladies, when he's getting ready for date night, you tell him that he makes Ben Affleck look like a hobo, Okay. That's what you do. You just speak those things out, right? You say those things, right? He's funnier than Jimmy Fallon, right? Whatever it is, he's more romantic than Ryan Gosling in La La Land. Whatever it is, you just begin to speak those things out over the person that you love. And let me tell you why. Let me tell you how this keeps love alive. Because you're going to find what you're looking for. You're going to find what you're looking for, you guys. And if your life, and you can do this, is full of negativity and you're only looking how that person is failing you, you're looking at all of their mistakes, you're going to find that. 
You're going to find that very easily because we're all human. This person that Solomon's talking to, I'm sure she wasn't per- perfect, but he's describing, he's, he's ascribing those things to her. He's affirming those, her beauty in her life. Why? Because he's looking for those things and that's what he's finding. That's what he's finding, you guys, because that's what he's seeking after. And so he begins to describe that to her. He begins to tell her that, how he sees her and what he sees inside of her. And if we want love to stay alive inside of our life, we need to look for those things in the person that God has given us. And we need to verbalize them, okay? We need to say those things out loud to that individual and let them know what we think about them, how much we love them, right? The worth that we see in them, the things that we see, the characteristics that we love, we start to praise them in that other individual. You do this over and over again. You do this through a long time and love continues to be alive in your life. Why? Because those are the things that you're seeing in that individual. You're seeing their beauty. You're seeing their value. You're speaking out that worth in their life. See, that's what we're called to do. Those are the things that we're challenged to do in order to keep love alive inside of our life. The second thing that I want to give you, if you want to keep love alive, it's not just affirming the beauty and worth in another individual. You have to manage your mind. You have to manage your mind. This is, I would say, one of the biggest struggles that we have in relationships right now. And this is what Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says. Proverbs 4, 23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, vigilance, for from it flows the spring of life. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the spring of life. What is he saying? One translation says it like this. Guard your heart and your mind, for out of it flows everything from life. Out of your heart and your mind flows everything that we have in life. What is he saying? He's saying manage your mind. You need to be careful of where your mind is going. You need to be careful of the thoughts that you're allowing in your mind because out of that will flow everything else in your life. Just a few weeks ago, we had a Christian author that was here at our church on a Wednesday night. She was speaking to some of the church leaders from churches around the area and speaking to some of us, and she challenged us with this idea that we live in a culture that does not guard our mind. And this is what she challenges with, that whenever you let yourself go into a fantasy world, whenever you let your mind just go, it's going to take you places that you should not be. And that when we live in that mindset, when we live with those fantasies, and we allow ourselves to go there, that we're spending energy on things that we should not be spending energy on. And we live in a world, you guys, that thinks it's okay so many times to think thoughts like, well, what if I wouldn't have married that person? Like, what if it would have been this coworker, right? What if my life would have worked out differently? What if it would have been a different job or, or I wouldn't have made that decision? And we'll spend time, lots of time, right? Just escaping into this fantasy world, thinking thoughts of, that we should not be thinking. And it's taking our energy and our effort other places. And we're not allowing ourselves to be fully present with the person that we're called to be present with. We're not allowing ourselves and our energy to be fully there with the person that God has given us to love. We're allowing our minds to go somewhere else. I thought of this, right? Um, I live out in Forney and I drive down Highway 80 here um, to get to Mesquite. And I drive almost every day here to the church, but I also drive on 80 whenever I go to work out. And there are so many mornings I'll get in my gym clothes, I'll have my gym back, I'll get out on 80 and I'll start driving. And my mind goes into autopilot, 
Okay, this is not going to build confidence in my driving for you guys, but just being honest there, maybe you do this, right? My mind just starts thinking about stuff with my family, things that I have to do at home, things at the church, people I need to connect with, my to-do list, and I'm picturing all of this stuff in my mind, and I'm thinking, I'm kind of aware of my surroundings, but I'm probably not paying as much attention as I need to, and all of a sudden, I'll be driving on 80, and I'll just kind of, without thinking, I'll get off on Collins. I'll turn down Clay Mathis. I'll pull into the church. And when I get here, I look down and I think, what am I doing? I'm supposed to be going to the gym. I don't know if you guys have ever done that. My mind just goes on autopilot, right? It just does what the routine is. And almost every day I come here to the church. So when I get on 80, my mind just thinks that's what you're supposed to do. And that's how many of us live our lives. We allow our minds to go other places and it's gonna take you somewhere where you should not be. Church, it's gonna take you somewhere where you should not be. B, if you allow your mind to drift off into fantasies, you allow your energy and your effort to be placed in other areas than the person you're called to love, you're gonna find yourself somewhere where you never wanted to be and sin is gonna find that foothold in your life. So you've got to manage your mind. You've gotta keep control of the thoughts that you have and not allow your thoughts to be other places or in sinful relationships that you should not be in. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse five, it says it like this. We destroy every argument and every imagination that raises itself against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. What's Paul saying? Every imagination, every argument, everything that would lift itself, that would exalt itself above who God is, or every thought that would come, we take that captive and we make it obedient to Christ. That's the way that we live our lives. That's the way that we manage our mind. And so let me tell you, even though I'm a pastor, even though I've been serving God for 20 years, this is a struggle in my life. I have not found the magic formula to rid myself of temptation, right? And there are so many times I'm I'm turning on the TV, right? I'm, I'm going through the channels, I'm watching something, and something comes on the screen that I should not see. And I have a decision to make in that moment. Am I gonna allow my mind to dwell on that? Am I going to go back and try to find more of that and look for more things like that? Or am I going to take that thought captive? And I know it may seem silly, but sometimes I'm sitting there and I have to say it out loud. God, there is a lustful thought that just entered my mind and I don't want it there. And right now I take that thought captive, God. It's trying to come against who you are, Jesus. It's trying to come against God's design and God's plan for my life. And that thought has no place in my mind. And so I'll say these things out loud. God, I take that imagination captive. God, I tear down that imagination, Lord. I don't want my mind going somewhere that you don't want it to be, Jesus. Church, we have to do that, right? We live in a world that's constantly bombarding us with images, that's pulling us in so many different directions, that wants to place thoughts in your mind that are contrary to the word of God. What are you going to do with those? You had better manage your mind, manage your heart, guard those things, and do not allow the enemy to get a foothold in your life and bring destruction and take you someplace that you should have never gone. You need to control your thought life if you want to keep love alive inside of your life. This is what else I want to give you guys. If you want to keep love alive, this third thing, passionately pursue your partner. And I mean your spouse, but those P's just kind of rhyme there, that alliteration. And so I want to challenge you, when you're in love, you passionately pursue that person. Do not do this with a stranger. That's called stalking and it's illegal, okay? Don't do that. But when you're in love, you should pursue that individual. Let me just quickly give these to you. I don't have time to go in depth with this, but that means when you're passionately pursuing someone, you're praying for them. 
You're spending time talking to God about that relationship, about that individual, about the love that you have for that person and asking God to bless that individual and to help them grow. You pray for that person. You invest time with them, okay? Once again, you don't just let them think, well, maybe they love me. No, you carve out time. You set it in your schedule to invest time with that person. Why? Because they're a priority there in your life. And the last thing, when you're passionately pursuing your partner, when you're passionately pursuing that person that you've married, you date your mate, okay? You date your spouse. You go on dates together. doesn't matter if you've already been married five years or 10 years or 15 years. It doesn't matter if you have little kids. You have to find a way to carve out that time and to spend time together when you're investing in each other, where you're having conversations with one another, when you're talking more than just about what's going on at work or just what's happening with the kids, but you're talking about, hey, what are your dreams? What's God speaking to you about? What's God challenging? What are struggles that you're facing right now? How are you doing? You need that time to look each other in the eyes and to have those kind of conversations where you're investing in that relationship. If you want to keep love alive, you better passionately pursue that person that God has given you to love and invest in that relationship. Let me close with this idea. When this is done right, when true love in bloom is done right in our life, romantic love reflects Christ's love for us. Why is this important, church? Why do we take four weeks out of the year and we have this kind of conversation about romantic love and about letting love grow in our life? Is because when we handle this correctly, it's a symbol of God's love for us. It's a picture of what Christ has done for us. And as I mentioned, as we talked with some of the statistics last week, we live in a world that desperately needs this, you guys. They desperately need a light around them. They need to see an example. And when you and I, when we're doing this well, when we're loving each other, when we're loving our spouse correctly, this is a picture of Christ's love for us, what he's done. That even though we had rejected him, even though we were far away from him, he pursued us, you guys. He wanted that relationship with us. That's how he talks about Jeremiah chapter 31, verse three. He says this, for I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. It's this picture of God saying, I'm in love with you. I've pursued you. That's what, that's what I am. I want this relationship. That's the kind of God I am. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I'm willing to give my life. I'm willing to send my son and to lay down my life so that I could have relationship with my people. When you're loving according to God's word, when you're being that example, people around you are going to take notice. People are going to see that. They're going to wonder why you're different. And it's going to open up that door for you to be a light to someone around you. You guys, when we love each other, when we lay down our lives, when we sacrifice for one another, guys, it's a picture of God's love. He rescued us. You and I, we were dead in our sins, you guys. We were trapped by this thing called sin and we couldn't rescue ourselves. And Christ comes in like a king rescuing his bride and he comes in and he gives his life for us. Once again, so that you and I could know what it means to be in a relationship with him. Young people, you want to figure this thing out, what love is, you look at God's word, you look at what Jesus did and that's how you pursue love with someone else. You don't do it because you have some selfish motive. You're not in love because you want to get something out of this. You're in love because you're willing to lay down your life for someone else. That's what love is. And you guys, when we do this correctly, the world begins to see that and it's a light to them. 
It's a symbol. It's a picture of what God has done for us. 